Hey guys, welcome to another month here. We are with Jeff Kears in Beaumont, Alberta, and we're talking about being outbound as a youth ministry. And so we're gonna pick Jeff's brain a bit and see what's going on there. But first of all, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and know what you're doing? Sure, I've been here at Eaglemont Church for uh, the better part of, this is my fifth year, uh, give or take. And uh, I'm the youth pastor here. Recently changed my name to, uh, not my name, but my position. <laughs> to, I changed my name to Next Gen Pastor. <laughs> I figured it was a real good career move for me. That's good. Um, the government really <laughs> yeah. didn't didn't like it, but we pushed it through. No, I my, my title's changed to Next Gen. Uh, kind of, I can go over that in a second, but kind of to cover more of the changing role that I've, I've been developing here. Uh, but primarily my role as a youth pastor. So. I've uh, been working here with teenagers uh, in the community, uh, running multiple nights a week of programming. Uh, also now my role's kind of moved into a, a place where we're trying to not just have a, a good youth group, but also get our kids engaged and uh, on a Sunday as well. Uh, not lose your kids, have a, have a place in the process to have them kind of graduate into. Um, and that's kind of been my role. It's a, also the title is creative director over Sunday morning. And that's more under the next gen umbrella in the sense of trying to, to lack of a better word, vitalize our Sunday mornings in a place where we're a younger generation and unchristian generation or, or unreached generation uh, would, would be able to find at home. Cool, man. So I want to talk to you today about being outbound. And I know you guys have just been killing it in that area and you've been seeing some really good success. But but first of all, before we get in there, what does it mean to you to be outbound as a youth ministry? Like, what does that, what does it mean? What does it look like? I think for, for me, it's, it's for me, it's a fundamental. Um, I'll be, maybe to understand me, you need to understand a little bit of my story first. Uh, and I can give you the very short version of it. Uh, that being my parents were raised on a cult commune. So... I know that's like the start of every great conversation, right? Like my grandparents pulled them out up into the mountains of BC, Bible-based charismatic cult, end of the end of the world is coming, Jesus is coming back, but through a select group of people. The theology is not really important. It's all yeah. it's all crazy. But wow. my dad r- ran away when he was like 17 with the clothes on his back and a box like 30 bucks in his pocket and my my mom uh both my grandparents like gave all their lots of money to it and Basically, parents started from scratch because of it, and uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of hurt in my in my family. There's there's a lot of skepticism uh, towards organized religion. I kind of grew up within Christian values, but organized church was always a major barrier. Um, so when we look at the nuns, or we look at Gen Z or millennials, and kind of this skeptical culture towards church, those are my people inherently. Mm. And I find myself the way I like to explain it is I'm a missionary to my own people, the skeptics. Yeah. And I think that for me, I have a passion for reaching uh, those people because that's that's where I came from. And and their skeptical questions, I go through those every day, even as a pastor. I still I still process through those. Mm. Um, so my passion is to reach the people that I you know, I'm like, that my family are like, and not that there, there's not a passion to reach other people as well, but, uh, absolutely that's, that's kind of where it came from. This, this need within me to, to bring the value that's come to my life to people that just don't know it or just are unaware or been hurt by, by church before. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's been this, this undeniable drive in me. Um, I also just look at scripture. Like the number one thing, if you look at the Old Testament to the to the New Testament, there's lots of good stuff in there in between, but it's the redemptive story of, of God, like, I'm going to say recklessly because I know that there's connotations to that, but, but like desperately mm-hmm. seeking 
our redemption yeah. and desperately seeing people that don't know him know him. And, and that's what the Great Commission is. And we can all kind of differentiate on, on reasons and um, like what philosophies we have to get there. But at the end of the day, that's what unifies us as church, yeah. youth ministries, young adult ministries, um, carpet bowling leagues for elderly people, whatever it is, is that we want to reach people. And so I look at it as a biblical mandate, and I look at it as a mandate just for my own life, from my own experiences. So how have you been able to be outbound in your youth ministry? Like, what successes have you seen in that? What are some best practices that you've noticed that have worked? To be honest, it's been kind of a process for us. Um, I think when you're trying to reach culture, especially when we look at how quickly information is changing in culture, let alone teenage culture, it moves even quicker. And how, uh, I'll give you an example, a, a meme um, that's shared on Instagram, the lifeline of that is less than a week, roughly, give or take. Um, so that's how quickly information is moving and how quickly trends are going. So if you're not missing, you're not trying. You're going to have lots of misses, lots of things that don't, don't go. Yeah. Um, but so I wish I could say that we like sat down, we pulled out an Andy Stanley or a John Maxwell book. We wrote down a list mm -hmm. of things. Here's the strategy. Here's our ABC. And we tried it. And that's why we had all these kids come out. We started out with maybe 40, 50 kids in my first year. Um, they were mostly community kids. Um, yeah. We do fill a niche here. Small communities, I think, have a, and rural communities. We're kind of a weird blend of both. Um, you have an opportunity that, that's unprecedented, really, because you can create a space where kids are bored. Uh, for them to come in and have fun. So I think that, that that helps. But I think that any community in any part of any city can look at, at an opportunity that the church has in a similar way as well. Um, it was just a matter of, of finding what fit. When we started, I had this idea of this cool church and I was going to be a cool speaker and I dress well and, you know, whatever the whole, have a good Instagram presence and, and be, you know what I mean? Like that typical youth pastor on YouTube type idea. And we're going to have worship services and it was going to be great. And I show, or have round table discussion nights and we tried it and it just didn't work at all. They were monsters. They would, they would rip apart the tablecloths. We had them starting, they started a tablecloth on fire with a candle that we were like, it makes it sound like we're, we're in like Harlem in like the 1980s here. It's, it is not quite like that. It's, it's upper middle class, like kids being brats, but, um, it just didn't work. It didn't engage. So we had to kind of go back to the drawing board and say, what is, what is working? What isn't? Okay. Well, this isn't working. Why isn't, or, or not even why, just let's get rid of it. Let's yeah. try something new. Let's try something new. Let's try something new. Um, so we would just uh, develop a next step, try something different. And we've been able to kind of get a read on culture. For me, a big thing is being involved in uh, social media, not just what I want to see. And I, I have, obviously, on my own Instagram, I'm not following all the things I would for youth ministry, but utilizing our... Uh, our 180 is the name of our youth ministry. So our 180 account um, to not only just post what I want, but also to follow the kids back and see what they're sharing. Mm -hmm. um, on my own account, I tend to follow a lot of meme pages. Um, now, some people might go, now don't go do it, but go look at what I follow on my own personal account. They'd be like, well, that's weird that it, like it's, you know, it's, it's, there's probably some like bad humor on there, but this is, I'm following things that kids are following. It's a study of what, what are they sharing? What is their information? Cause then you can see what they're talking about and then use that to try and, and redeem it or take it into a place where we can repurpose it mm -hmm. to connect with them. Mm -hmm. uh, I do a lot of that for promotions and trying to talk to them in a language that they understand. 
um, and trying to take that, you know, reverse engineer that, that idea of communication. Why do they think that's funny? Why do they communicate like that? Why does that video get their attention? Why do they share that? And say, how can I take that same heart of that and use it to communicate the gospel to them? Mm -hmm. And that's been really just, what do people who aren't from the church need me to do to communicate to them? And that's really the, if I can put it in a sentence, that's what we try to reverse engineer and create a a space for when we're here. So Jeff, how do you, how do you balance not reverting? Because it's so easy to revert back to just being inward focused and just being so focused on those within the church walls. How do you maintain a focus that's beyond your walls, you know, out being outbound consistently and not reverting back? Hmm. Well, I think for us, it's all about the process. And we make sure that we have a definitive process and we try to find what each, uh, what the identity of every single program or evening or whatever it is. Everything we do has an identity and we can identify where, identify where on the process it is. So I'll give you an example. Our Friday night is mayhem. We'll have 100 to 150 kids. Last year it was even higher. We've had some really high years, um, of just all community kids coming in and, and we preach the gospel there, but it's very, it's very palatable, um, and that's intentional. Some people may look at it as, well, you're watering it down. You're right, we are, because they're not. So they have no basis for this. So we try to just, it's an entry level, it's an access point into faith. If they have no prior existing experience, that is the access point. So that's what our Friday night is. We used to try to do small groups and discipleship after, and it just, we had a, it was a disaster. We had a small group of 35 grade seven girls. Mm-hmm. And not enough leaders to function within that. So we actually came together as a youth leadership team at our retreat three years ago and said, are we happy with this? And I was like, no, like it's just, it's trying to be everything to everyone. And then we were like, hey, it's going to take more work. But what if we do a Wednesday night discipleship group? Small groups, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So we started to do that and got a couple of moms, uh, like 40, 45 year old ladies to, to mentor the grade seven, eight girls and a little bit of old, like some different leaders in there, some of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but to create that as not just so that we could keep our kids engaged from the church, although there was some strategy to that because Friday is so chaotic that a grade seven church girl who may be homeschooled or whatever might not feel comfortable. And we don't want to lose our kids at the same time. And I think that's probably one of the biggest balances that you're going to, or tr- problems you're going to run into in this is if you're trying to be outward bound, you're going to run into that balance. Um, and it can't be just one. It has to be both. But that's where the process comes in. So Wednesday for us isn't just for our community or for our church kids. It has that in it. But it's also the next step in the process from Friday funnels in. And if uh, it's for church kids, but it's also that next step for that kid that might not be getting enough out of Friday and is ready to take the next step. And you know when you like come up with a plan and you're like, okay, in theory, this is how it's going to go, but you're not actually sure if it's going to work. That's what this process was for us. But we've seen in the last year um, as many as 15 community kids coming on um, a Wednesday night. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's 10, but but they're coming yeah. uh, and, and being mentored and sitting through Bible project videos or Alpha or we had a really cool story. Uh, my next door neighbor is one of the pastors at Hope City and he told me he was at the Tim Hortons and uh, it was a Wednesday night when we have our, our small groups and he heard some kids just like, swearing and just being bad like the kids in town are so bored and they're just being bad and loud and he's thinking to himself these kids are bad like just these are bad kids and then as they're about to leave like okay i gotta go we'll see you at alpha tonight 
And he's like, oh yeah, that's got to be Jeff's kids. <laughs> it makes perfect <laughs> sense, right? But that's a, that's proud. We're proud of that. That's what we want. I want kids that would be known as bad kids coming to Alpha. And um, but at the same time, if we ever had to make the decision as to like, we've run into the identity crisis within Wednesday. We had so many unchurched kids starting to come that we started to cater it to them again. And maybe you need to tweak things, but we had to reevaluate. This is for discipleship. Friday is for Friday, Wednesday is for Wednesday. So we just had to kind of make some hard decisions. You have to look at your process. You have to follow your strategies and your structures that you put in place and make sure that you're accomplishing the identity of each event. Now, the next step for us is getting into Sunday. Uh, that's a whole other conversation, but that's the next step in the process is getting them plugged into a multi-generational church, which we've looked at stats on Gen Z, and that's a major part is getting key roles with multiple generations. That's what's going to keep a long-lasting impact. So for us, that's it's all about the process. What, what would you say to a youth pastor who's maybe listening to this and they're like, man, I'm just trying to think of some ways that I can be more outbound. What would you say of some next steps for them to do to be more outbound? Sure. Uh, I'd say, number one, you need to talk to your lead pastor. The biggest advice I can give and one of the greatest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, best things I can say about our lead pastor Marlowe is that he's been super supportive of being outward bound in this area um, in the sense of like being supportive. There's been hard conversations and questions, right? You get He gets an email from a dad in the community whose kid came home drunk or something. No, he wasn't drinking at our thing. He probably showed up drunk and then came back. Or who knows? You're going to have yeah. kids smoking weed. Yeah. Like I, one kid smokes a joint in the bathroom and I get 50 e- emails. Like not even from people in our church, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. But that's where it's going to happen. If you're reaching people in messy situations, your hands are going to get messy. And you need to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. But you can't expect to do that on an island. Mm-hmm. For me, the biggest thing is that I've had an open conversation and a dialogue with our lead. You don't want him to have any surprises because that's where you're going to run into situations where he starts to pull back. And that's going to frustrate you. And that's going to make it, that can be a misinterpretation of he doesn't care about reaching these kids as much as me. No, he cares, but he also has a job to do. You have to understand that your lead has way more of a role, way more of things than just what you see or understand to deal with. Um, so I think if you want to start reaching, um, unchurched kids or, or whatever you want to call it, you need to make sure that your lead is involved in the conversation. You don't have to necessarily ask, ask for permission. Some boomers, actually, I'll tell you what, boomers for the most part are not going to understand the irrational humor of memes. They're not going to understand how, how this really dumb thing you want to do is going to connect with the kids. But, but it is. You're right. You are the expert in that. That's why you were hired and you need to maintain that. Mm-hmm. But communication is everything. Yeah. If something happens, if there's the police get called, um, one time we had to call 911 and, uh, Pastor Marlowe, our lead, was on a ride along with the RCMP. So he showed up. So I was like, and most people were like, oh, is that a weird thing? I was like, no, because I was going to phone him anyways. Mm-hmm. Have to call the police, send a text message to your lead. Let them know. Keep him ahead of the game in that. Otherwise, you're going to run into trust issues. It's what's he doing over there? Is he out of control? No, here's what happened. Here's how it is. Here's how, and make a next step. Here's how we're going to prevent that in the future. Um, That's one of the biggest things. The other thing is just like be ready to get messy and you need to create the culture in your leadership team that it's going to get messy. Have pride in it. Be proud of what you do. Make it fun for them. Kids need a fun space. The reason they come on a Friday here, it's fun. But I'll tell you who has the most fun. It's me and my leadership team. Mm, we have so good. much fun. Yeah. Um, our One of our early, actually probably the, the 
the rallying cry that really started growth for us was I just said, let's make a memory. Every single week, let's do one thing that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. I remember my youth pastor, Tyson Howells, um, he created an event. We had a friend named John and John Jantz was his name. And he, uh, he was like a hunter. His dad's a hunter and he would always wear animal shirts and like, just like before animal shirts were ironically cool, but just like hunting shirts. I remember he had one that was a big, like a big buck ripping out of the shirt, like a male deer said, release the beast. And like all his shirts were like this. So Tyson came up with the idea to do, um, John Jantz bowling. So it was, uh, it was, uh, like value village bowling, but the goal was to dress as much like John Jantz as possible <laughs> and go bowling. But what a stupid thing. Yeah. What, what an insanely ridiculous thing. I remember that at 29 right now, and I'll remember that for the rest of my life. It wasn't a sermon. I don't remember anything Tyson preached at all. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry Tyson. Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. But, but I'll never forget that. And at the very least, if we can facilitate a memory of something, whether it's um, one of our leaders dressing up for an entrance for a game or whether it's um, something just ridiculous. We did Halloween in June. That's a good example last year. We just, in June 10th, I think it was, we sent kids out trick-or-treating. Um, into Beaumont. We're going to make it into a bigger event this year, but like it was ridiculous. At the very least, those kids are going to remember when they're, let's say they never get plugged into church, playing the long game. Let's say they're 42 years old. They have kids and they're like, my kids are hitting youth age. Got to find them somewhere to go. You know what was fun? I remember this youth group at this church and it was a good time. And we did this stupid thing that I remember, but man, that was fun. And they cared about me and church was good. Maybe I should get my kid in there. And who knows from there? Yeah, you know, I don't like to put out like ambiguous faith statements, yeah. but what if that kid who grows up and has their own kids plugs their, their children into a youth group because of it. And then they end up attending church and starting a Jesus based life because their kids draw them in. Like mm-hmm. we've seen that type of stuff happen before. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's like, have fun, make a memory, get your leadership. We rally around our, our Friday nights. It's fun. Um, we make it, you know, it's hard sometimes, but you got to make jokes of it. Remember one time we had last year, uh, a kid peed on the floor down here. Um, and, uh, I, my team was quite f- flustered and, um, I rallied them into a circle and I'm telling them like, you know, we do this for a reason, like trying to give them the pastor yeah. talk or do this for a reason. Uh, we do this because, not because it's fun. We do it because God calls us to, and these kids need Jesus. And as I'm giving this rallying speech, one of our leaders, Dominic, is walking by with a mop, and I, they don't know what's happened. And as he's walking by, I'm like, "No." That being said, a kid peed on the floor downstairs, and Dom's cleaning it up, and we just died laughing because it's just it was just funny. Yeah. Like, got to got to laugh. You got to you got to be able to not take yourself too seriously, but make sure your leadership team is behind you because they're going to have to clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. They are. They're going to have to mop up urine or hopefully not, but, yeah. but fix up walls and, and mop the floor. And it's just, it's, um, they need to be a part of the team. It can't just be your vision. You need to be able to cast that vision and get them on the same page. So Jeff, I've heard many stories of crazy things that have happened with you guys being really outbound and that. What is, what comes to mind with one of maybe the craziest stories that have happened with uh, you guys being really outbound? Um, when you get kids that are not always from the greatest situation, sometimes you'll have um, their baggage come with it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually guaranteed. Uh, one time it was 10 o'clock and um, yeah, this one was was pretty crazy. It was uh, 
I was cleaning in the kitchen and someone came and got me. And this happens whenever I'm in the kitchen cleaning something. And so Jeff, come here. I'm just like, oh no, like something. It's never good. There's usually like an angry mom mm-hmm. or something like that. And this was, this was more, I got out front and there's this big, big guy. Um, and he was drunk, like very drunk. And he was swearing at kids and threatening people. And one of my leaders was trying to get between him and another kid. And he's on the edge of the steps. I just got, got out. It's like, dude, what is going on here? And he starts, you know, the, some kid here threatened my daughter and he's swearing and he's, he's, and I'm just like, you need to calm down. And we're nose to nose on the steps. And I'm just, I'm not backing down. And so my leaders, I was really impressed with them. We haven't gone through this protocol, but they kind of made a wall between the re- remaining couple of kids. This is technically after hours. Um, and yeah, me and this guy went nose to nose and I was waiting for him to hit me. Now, I also knew that he, he was back facing the stairs so he'd be going down the stairs pretty quickly in that situation but i'm trying to defuse the situation yeah. i'm also quite upset um I, he had like gotten in a kid's face and scared him pretty bad i didn't know that i'm glad i didn't know that um because i would have got quite upset but then he starts yelling and swearing at us so what type of bleeping catholicism is this and it took everything in my head not and in my heart to not yes, we're not catholic you idiot or something and just set him off um, so that was crazy. And then he took off. The police came were six or seven leaders filling out a police report at the police station at like 11 o'clock at night because, because wow. he had grabbed one of the kids, um, and his dad, like it actually built a good inroad with that kid's parents where we were like, Hey man, sorry, this happened. They're like, Oh, it's, this guy's nuts. Right. But if I'm looking at probably a lighter note, uh, cause that was pretty crazy and stuff like that will happen. Uh, hopefully not, but it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Uh, we do something called the Trebi challenge. Um, and that's one of our leaders, Trebi, dresses up and does like a wrestler's entrance to challenge kids to a game. It's become this cultural phenomenon in our community. You'll see kids walking down the street in Beaumont with Trebi challenge shirts that they win, um, which is fun. Uh, but one time, we just try to dress him up as something crazier every time. So we dressed him up in a giant baby outfit, <laughs> like a bonnet and like a fake giant oversized diaper and like came in crawling. <laughs> We didn't tell him to do that. And the moment he walked through the door at the spotlight, I've never seen um, or heard a crowd of teenagers scream with fear and <laughs> fear, <laughs> laughter, confusion, <laughs> self, <laughs> like trying to self-preservation to yeah. an extent. And and like, I, I literally, um, Curtis Fricker from uh, City Center was hanging out with us that night and he can attest this. I just went like flat on the ground, like nose to the ground, laughing and weeping because it was so funny. Like kids are just losing their mind. And he came out and had to, and then I'm just dying laughing because the game we had was they had, to, it's just a simple game. They had to eat a pudding and chop O. Henry out of a real diaper. And Trevi's a baby, like just like, it's just insane. Um, and the kids just can't handle what's happening. But it was it was funny, yeah. and and they had fun, we had fun, and they'll remember that for the rest of their life oh, too, right? No. So, so that's probably one of the more fun things. We had a couple like that, but yeah, yeah it's good. That's so fun, uh, Jeff. Why don't you share with everyone where they can connect with you online if you have any other questions or whatever? Sure, you can uh, contact me either at Jeff at Eaglemont.Church with my email, or if you want to see kind of what's going on um, at our church as well, or with our our youth group, you can follow our Instagram at 180ECC. Um, it's Eaglemont Christian Church, so 180 ECC, and uh, any sort of craziness that we do on there is is always being uploaded. So that's a good spot to check us out. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Really appreciate it. As you can tell, Jeff and the team here have fun. They have a lot of fun. Um, and they're reaching out to their community. They're seeing really, really cool things happen. So I hope this has been an encouragement to you guys to look at how you can be more outbound and see students come on site that maybe wouldn't normally come and to see them actually get plugged in and uh, turn to Jesus. So love you guys and I hope this has been beneficial to you guys. Have a good one.